Hi there. Thanks for listening to Robert Fain's Hegel podcast, Studying Hegel for Life, Studying the Philosophy of Right. Welcome. Hi there. I hope you're doing well in your studies. We are going to take a look now at paragraph 502. Remember, we are studying the philosophy of right. That is to say, we're discussing the paragraphs in the encyclopedia um, that deal with uh, that topic. And we're studying actually the second um, uh, division, A, the right, and then uh, uh, section C, right against injustice. And we have progressed until paragraph 502, the last paragraph of this section, before we move into section B, which deals with morality, that's paragraph 503, that we will um, uh, try to discuss next week. So, paragraph 502, um, I called it the concept of morality because it deals with the transition of abstract right to morality and gives us the first abstract definition of this morality, the second sphere of freedom that realizes itself. Now remember what we talked about. We talked about um, the three forms, levels or degrees of injustice. We talked about punishment as the um, uh, reaction to the violence that is involved in a theft. And we talked about the way in which this punishment must be um, seen. It has to direct itself against not just the um, person or uh, property of the thief. It has actually, uh, it has to exercise force against him. It has to exercise coercion. Now, that is important because the right that is violated is simply the possession or the rightful ownership of an external thing. Stealing is the exercise of um, violence against the possession of this external thing. So we're not talking about violating a person in his corporality. Uh, we're not talking about uh, acts and deeds of um of molestation or uh, uh, where some bodily harm occurs. The violence of the thief that we need to discuss here is violence against an external thing. So the punishment should be commensurate to that kind of violence and should uh, do no more than um, uh, restore the thing. That's the first element of it. But it also has to restore the right. And now it's interesting that this restoration of the right in itself also involves coercion against the person. So we can consider a punishment by a jail sentence and we can consider uh, giving him a fine. It's not just about the restoration of the thing because that would certainly restore the private interest of the victim, but it would not restore um, the violated right in itself. Okay, so let's move on to paragraph 502. I hope you have it in front of you, preferably both the German text and a English translation, if you're not fluent in German. Um, 
Let's see what Hegel is saying. Es hat sich ein Unterschied vom Recht und vom subjektiven Willen entwickelt. So there is a distinction now between right and the subjective will. Okay, that's obvious. The subjective will is the will of the um, judge, it's the will of the thief, it's the will of the victim, and right in itself is separate from that. Um, the thief has its own form of the universal, its own peculiar universal law that um, it maintains as validity for himself. Um, the uh, victim, especially in revenge in, and in seeking revenge, uh, actually tries to uh, restore justice by acting uh, unjustly. Uh, by simply taking back by force the stolen object. And we have the particular will of the judge, which is not the same as uh, right in itself, but who is supposed to be in conformity with that. But I argued last time in paragraph 501 that the judge, uh, this person C, who is doing the arbitration, might be... Um, uh, fooled by what he sees and actually perform an injustice himself in an attempt to restore right in itself. So we have at least uh, no necessity that the judicial sentence will actually restore right. Uh, so Hegel is quite right in saying, as has sich ein Unterschied vom Recht und vom subjektiven Willen entwickelt. There is a distinction now. And the point was that we um, remember that the subjective will is motivated from within um, to objectify itself in right. Uh, freedom wants to have this objective existence, and that objective existence, this realized freedom, uh, in its abstract form we call right. Okay. Let's move on to the next sentence. That's a long one. Die Realität des Rechts, welche sich der persönliche Wille zunächst auf unmittelbare Weise gibt, zeigt sich durch den subjektiven Wille, das dem Recht an sich Dasein gebende oder auch von demselben sich abscheidende und ihm entgegensetzende Moment vermittelt. So the reality of right, that uh, the personal will gives itself at first only in an immediate manner um, by having a, a an object in, in his possession that is recognized by others, so therefore by having a uh, recognized property to be really an owner. Die Realität des Rechts, so the reality of the right, um, uh, is shown here um, Determined, and that was not, uh, that shouldn't be the case, uh, instead of being the complete objective reality of the subjective will, it's still being determined by the subjective will over and against this. Now, that can be in two ways. We have a subjective will that gives the right in itself existence. Uh, for instance, the judgment by a judge uh, gives the right in itself new existence um, but 
in the same manner, we see this uh, difference, this Unterschied between right and subjective will um, in the uh, moment that separates itself from the right in itself and opposes it uh, in the theft. So two ways in which uh, the reality of the right turns out to be this, uh, to have this distinction within itself. Now, something else needs to be said. Umgekehrt ist der subjektive Wille in dieser Abstraktion die Macht über das Recht zu sein für sich ein Nichtiges. On the other hand, this subjective will in this abstract manner um, of being a power above right in itself. Let's say this is the power of the thief to violate the right in itself. It's in itself, or rather für sich, eh, so it's in actuality, einichtiges, a nullity, something that has no validity and no permanence in existence. So um, the subjective will is different from right in itself. It has the illusion to be powerful against the right in itself, and yet in actuality it is something impermanent and invalid. Er hat wesentlich nur Wahrheit und Realität, so that is this, um, this nichtige, this, der nichtige subjektive Wille, eh, so the, the, the will of the thief, um, has essentially only truth and reality, indem er in ihm selbst als das Dasein des vernünftigen Willens ist. Now, that, that's a very short, um, very brief uh, indication of what morality is. Um, the subjective will, in its uh, distinction from right in itself, that has this impermanence, when it opposes the law, when it opposes uh, the right in itself as a thief. It has only truth and reality, so it's no longer something uh, that is uh, actually null and void, um, but it can have truth and reality if it is the way in which the reasonable, the rational will exists within himself. Now remember that in abstract right we only talk about external relations. Here we have a reflection into itself of something quite negative at first, eh? the possibility of opposing the right in itself. And uh, the fact that we now realize, and it has become uh, uh, demonstrated to us, that right in itself is not a complete objectivation of the subjective will because the subjective will has the power to oppose it and is necessary to uphold it uh, in the way the judge does that and in the way that I um, actually recognize someone else's property. So there is no complete unity between the particularity of the particular will and the universality of right in itself. doesn't happen. Right in itself remains dependent upon the subjective will. Right in itself becomes opposed now and then in uh, something like theft. Um, right in itself requires the 
particular uh, free will of a judge to become restored, but that restoration um, does not completely satisfy the need of the free will to um, become totally objectified. Why is that? Because all of that is external. There is this object and there is this power of coercion and it's exercised. Um, now let's say the thief is punished. He goes to jail for two days for stealing my coffee. Now let's make it three weeks for stealing my cup of coffee. How dares he? Um, so what then is the restoration? Of course it's obvious now that he performed an injustice because that's the reason he is stuck in jail for three weeks. So the injustice is exposed. Of course, I might get another cup of coffee. Um, but yet this violation of right in itself only refers to the external relations between um, proprietor B and proprietor A, which, which may be me, and uh, our relationship A and B to judge C, um, who has uh, given his judgment and in that judgment uh, restored uh, right in itself. That, that's, that's all that happened. So did we gain anything? Well, at the same time that it becomes clear that something, some action was an injustice, it becomes clear that the whole right in itself depends on um, the willingness of the thief not to steal anymore, uh, becomes dependent upon the uh, freedom of the judge to make a proper judgment and my willingness to accept that judgment also and not to take revenge anymore, etc., etc. Now, if you uh, have all these external relationships, now what is actually the core of that? The core of that is the real unity between the free will and the right in itself not a free will that may oppose the right in itself, not a free will that um, uh, grounds or supports right in itself, but that, that is in itself that right in itself, that is within itself completely in conformity with the right. It's a, 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 a consciousness of right or a rightful consciousness. And that is the way the rational will, the free will that, wants to um, objectify itself as right, uh, exists, actually. It can only exist, it doesn't exist in this um, difference between right and subjective will. Um, the subjective will is a particular will, it might be irrational, it uh, is simply there, um, and it's arbitrarily there. Uh, what it wants is not uh, necess necessary, it's, it's arbitrary. Uh, but if I want the universal within myself, that's when um, I have a moral will. Now, of course, this very brief statement uh, that Hegel makes about the concept of morality doesn't give us, us uh, much to work with. Um, what is important here to remember is the subjective will itself must become the existing reality of the rationality of the will. That's a very important idea. The subjective will itself 
must become the existing reality of the rationality of the will. Remember that before this, in abstract right, it wasn't the subjective will that was the existing reality uh, of the rationality of the will. It was the object, the possession, the property, that was the existing reality of the rationality of the will. So now we have to change from the sphere of external objects through which relations between human beings are regulated. We have to move beyond the sphere of external things and we have to move to the interiority of freedom. We have to talk about right as a self-determination and not about right as simply the objectified form of the subjective will. Let's summarize. There is now a distinction between right and the subjective will. A personal will gives itself an immediate existence in the reality of right, which at first simply uh, appears in the rightfulness of uh, property and ownership. Now, secondly, the subjective will gives this right its existence or denies it in injustice. It has this possibility. Therefore, C, the subjective will in injustice is non-existent because it cannot maintain itself. Now, so we have either right in itself on the one hand and subjective will on the other hand. We have either that or we have a new stage in which the subjective will within itself is determined by right in itself. So not right in itself determining the status of a property and the relationship, the external relationship between free wills, but now we have a sphere in which the subjective will is self-determining, determines itself to be the existing reality of freedom. Freedom is now expressed as the inner moral consciousness of a person and the actions that are uh, part and parcel of, uh, of that. It's a pretty long uh, section that we're going into now, but it's very interesting. Uh, we're going to talk about paragraph 503 to 512, starting next week. And then we finally get to what I still believe is the main part of Hegel's uh, philosophy of right, and that is social morality, or, the, uh, or rather in German, die Sittlichkeit, and that is when things become very exciting. Thanks for listening. This was paragraph 502. Thanks for listening. Hope you're doing well in your studies and hope to see you uh, probably next week. At least I'll see you next time.